0: And I wanna say to you this morning that being a hero for the Lord Jesus Christ and serving the Lord Jesus Christ requires a I-won't-quit attitude, amen? I mean, you just gotta have some grit about you to serve the Lord. You've gotta be the kind of person who's gonna just decide in your heart that come what may, I am not gonna quit.
1: Welcome to Grace and Truth Radio, a ministry of Harvest Bible Church, verse-by-verse Bible teaching with Pastor Dan McGee. I'm Barbara Hannum. Thank you for joining us today. Pastor Dan is leading us through the book of Acts in a series titled, The Gospel Unleashed. Join us now for the first part of a message titled, A True Hero for Christ.
0: All right, let's take our Bibles and go to Acts chapter 14 together. Acts 14. This morning I want to talk to you about being a true hero for Christ. I want to urge you through this message to aspire to be a true hero for Christ. And I'm going to describe for you this morning... The characteristics of a true hero for Christ, I believe we find them here in Acts 14, particularly in the lives of the Apostle Paul and uh, his partner in ministry at this point, Barnabas. Acts 14. There's an outline in your bulletin. Would you get that out as well? I would encourage you to take a few notes and I'm going to give you uh, four thoughts. In fact, I'm going to give you all four of them right now, okay? So the main ideas that I want to share with you, I'm going to give them all to you, all four, and then I'll unpack these ideas and uh, they involve the characteristics of a true hero for Christ, okay? Here's the first one. Number one, the first characteristic is tenacity, okay? Tenacity, Somebody who is just tenacious, they stay with it. The second one is boldness. That is a characteristic of a true hero, boldness. Number three, humility. Humility. And then number four, finally, love. Okay, so those are the four major ideas that I want to talk with you about this morning And I want to urge you to be a true hero for Christ, and those four characteristics can describe your life. Every life in here, these things can describe your life. I want to tell you about a night in 1945, Captain Terry Simmerall was returning his uh, B-29 plane in for a safe landing, and as he brought that plane back awaiting him were fire trucks And lots of red lights and waiting paramedics as he brought this plane in for a landing. And the reason was is because something had occurred on his plane that uh, he had never, ever experienced before. In fact, as the plane came in for a landing and it was unloaded, he made his way into uh, the commissioner's tent there and he sat down on a chair and he sat in silence for minutes without saying anything to anybody. HIS FACE WAS WHITE. HE LOOKED LIKE HE WAS IN A STATE OF SHOCK. CAPTAIN SIMERAL HAD EXPERIENCED A HEROIC ACT ON HIS PLANE SUCH AS HE HAD NEVER SEEN BEFORE. On B-29s, it was the radio operator's job to drop the bombs down through a small tube. And this particular plane that Captain Simmerall piloted was known as a a Pathfinder plane. It was a B-29, but its main purpose was to drop what were called phosphorus bombs. And phosphorus bombs burned brightly and they became target markers for the other planes that would then drop their bombs that would actually explode. And so this particular mission, Sergeant Henry Irwin, he had received the routine order. He was the guy who was supposed to drop the phosphorus bomb, and and this time as he released the bomb through that small tube, it malfunctioned, and it actually exploded, and it came back up into the plane, and now sitting at... SERGEANT HENRY IRWIN'S FEET IS A SMOLDERING PHOSPHORUS BOMB AND AS IT EXPLODED IT ACTUALLY BLINDED HIM IN BOTH OF HIS EYES AND IT BURNED OFF ONE OF HIS EARS. AND NOW THIS PHOSPHORUS BOMB IS LAYING HERE and AND PHOSPHORUS BURNS THROUGH METAL LIKE BUTTER. IT'S LAYING AT HIS FEET, HE'S BLINDED, ONE OF HIS EARS ARE GONE and unfortunately at that time he was alone because the navigator who was normally nearby actually was up in that that clear dome at the top of the B-29 and he was there making some celestial computation so they would know exactly where to drop the bomb without having the luxury of time on his hands he had to make a split second decision and so here he is blinded And yet he can feel the heat from this phosphorus bomb at his feet and it is beginning to melt its way through the deck of that plane. And so he reached down and he grabbed a hold of this burning phosphorus bomb with his bare hands and here's why he began to stumble towards the front, the cockpit of the plane, because he knew there next to the captain was a window that you could slide open. And so he stumbled towards the front of the plane, and as he did so, blinding, he's holding this thing, and it is searing his hands. And as he gets towards the cockpit area, the navigator's bench, a little table that would actually fold down, was actually down, and it was latched. And so he took the bomb, and he stuck it underneath his arm, and it began to burn through the flesh over his ribs so that he could unlatch and come into the cockpit. Of course, at this point, smoke had filled the plane, and the window had already been opened by Captain Terry Simmerall and and Simmerall would later say that he didn't even see him coming because of the smoke that was in the plane but he heard, he heard Henry Irwin say to him, Captain, I need you to excuse me for a moment. And he leaned over the pilot and he took the bomb and he threw it out the window of the plane. And then he collapsed onto the flight deck. Well, I think you would agree with me, Sergeant Henry Irwin is a hero. He lived. In fact, he was able to, in time, regain sight in one of his eyes. And the burns eventually healed. And I'm glad to tell you that uh, Sergeant Henry Irwin is actually one of our country's Congressional Medal of Honor winners. He had received that Medal of Honor from General Curtis LeMay while he was still laying in a Pacific hospital bed. I read that story this week and I thought, what an amazing story of valor and bravery that is. And of course, those kinds of stories could be repeated over and over again, can't they? About men and women who have served here in our nation so heroically through the years so that we have the freedom that we have today. But I want to suggest to you this morning that there is a bravery, loved ones, a bravery that exceeds even the heroic acts such as these. And, and, and this bravery that I want to talk to you about this morning is not as conspicuous. It's not as likely to be remembered by the world. But nonetheless, the Lord knows and he remembers. He knows those who as Christians have sought to live consistently and honorably and heroically for the Lord. And I want to talk to you this morning about the heroic life of the Apostle Paul and his friend fellow ministry partner Barnabas. I see heroics here in Acts chapter 14. Let's begin reading together this morning. Notice now it says now at Liconium or Iconium verse 1 there they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and they spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and they poisoned their minds against the brothers. Let's stop there for just a moment because I want to encourage you this morning, my Christian friend, to serve Jesus Christ through thick and thin. I want to encourage you to be faithful and to live for Christ, to witness for Christ, and yes, if necessary, if God calls you to, even to suffer for Christ. This this is what it means, I believe, to be a heroic person. Christian, a heroic follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And first of all, as I said to you, it's going to take some qualities, some characteristics. And the first one is what? Tell me, what is it? Number one, tenacity. What is tenacity? Tenacity is just stick with it, right? You just stick to it. Stick to itness. You just don't quit. I want you to think with me for a moment, and we're going to just have to review here for, for a couple of minutes about the tenacity of the Apostle Paul and Barnabas up to the point this point. Think of what they have been through thus far in their first missionary journey. You realize uh, Acts chapter 14 now, as we're going to see here, it, it wraps up the first missionary journey, okay? In fact, um, would you put the next slide up on the screen for me? The, the map one, actually. Put the map up there, okay? So let's remember... What, uh, what has happened here in the, the course that they have traveled so far. They left Antioch over there on the right, which is located in what is now modern-day Syria, They traveled down to Seleucia there, that port city. They went across the Mediterranean. They they arrived there in Salamis, which is on the island of Cyprus. That's the main port city coming into Cyprus. They traveled to Paphos, which is the capital city of the island of Cyprus. And all along the way, they preached the gospel. Remember, though, if you remember in chapter 13, when they arrived there on the island of Cyprus, they were received with mostly indifference. And uh, when they finally got to the city of Paphos, there, that capital city, you'll recall that they finally saw a convert but they had to have a a very difficult interaction with a sorcerer, remember that? The sorcerer whose name was Elemis, and he had actually somehow gotten in really good with uh, the proconsul on the island of Cyprus. So basically the president of the island was being influenced strongly by a sorcerer. And Paul had a very difficult interaction with this sorcerer. And then they set sail north, of course, from there uh, to uh, Asia Minor, that's the area that is directly north of Cyprus, that's Asia Minor. And of course, right as they set sail, John Mark abandoned them. Remember? Think of how discouraging that must have been. It was Paul, it was Barnabas, and it was John Mark. But John Mark at this point, he he leaves because the journey got too difficult. And also we learn from other other passages as we connect some of the epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote. It is believed by most Bible scholars that from that point where they leave Paphos and they head up to Asia Minor, uh, along that point of the journey, the Apostle Paul uh, contracted malaria. So now not only is is the distance great, but he's sick along the way. And John Mark has abandoned them. And so no doubt, Paul and Barnabas were dealing with some discouragement. I mean, put yourself in their shoes. Wouldn't you find this to be discouraging? One of your, one of your uh, compadres in the journey leaves you, and now you're sick. And then finally they arrive up in Pisidian Antioch, which is up there at the top of Asia Minor. And they preached the gospel and many trusted Christ there in chapter 13, but we also discovered that others persecuted them while they were there. Remember that? We saw that in chapter 13, verses 42 through 52. And so what did they do? We remember they shook the dust off of their feet, didn't they? They said, okay, well, we'll then, we'll take the gospel to others. And then that's when they made their way down to Iconium, which is just south there of Pisidian Antioch. So chapter 14 now depicts Paul and Barnabas completing this first missionary journey, and they're going to go to three more cities. You can see them up there, Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. And then they're going to travel back through these cities again, and they're going to make their way then home from there across the Mediterranean Sea back to the original city that they left from, Antioch. So that's what chapter 14 follows here, is this this journey of the apostle Paul and Barnabas. Now that takes some tenacity, wouldn't you agree with me? I mean, think of the, the difficulty of this, and I mentioned to you last week that that journey, once they arrived there in Asian minor, there named Atelia and up through Perga, remember that area that they traveled north up to Pisidian Antioch? It was a difficult, about 100-mile journey through some rugged, mountainous area where it was known, very well known, that bandits, robbers, and thieves hid out. So this was quite a journey, and it took something for these guys to just stick with it. And I want to say to you this morning that being a hero for the Lord Jesus Christ and serving the Lord Jesus Christ requires a I-won't-quit attitude, amen? Amen. I mean, you just got to have some grit about you to serve the Lord. You've got to be the kind of person who's going to just decide in your heart that come what may, I am not going to quit. I'm going to keep serving the Lord because this is what he's called me to do. You know, Jesus said something about this. In fact, I'd like you to hold your page here in Acts 14 and go back with me to the gospel of Luke. Would you do that, please? Luke 9. Luke chapter 9. Notice with me the end of the chapter, verse 57, is where we'll begin. It says, As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, now stop and just look at me for a moment. You know, whenever people, it seems, in the Gospels make these kinds of statements to the Lord, he's really quick to probe them in terms of their true heart and attitudes, and intentions, isn't he? Remember when Peter was like, I'll never deny you, right? And Jesus was like, okay. Before that, rooster crows three times. And now here's somebody stepping up to the plate, and they're like, I'm going to follow you wherever you go, Jesus. And so notice verse 58. Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So what's Jesus saying? If you're going to follow me, it's going to be difficult. Verse 59, to another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Wow, that seems kind of harsh, doesn't it? Verse 61, yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. I think what Christ is emphasizing here is this no-quit attitude, that it's going to take some tenacity. You have to have this attitude if you're going to serve the Lord. And do you realize if you adopted this attitude in your life, you're being like the Lord? You see, being a true hero for Christ really means this, being like Christ. When we adopt these characteristics, like tenacity, do you realize that was a characteristic of our Lord? In fact, same chapter, you're there. Look look at verse 51. It says there, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, notice, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Remember, church, when we got to Good Friday, I told you that it was all a part of God's plan, and Jesus literally came to make, he he came to die for us. He made a decision, I'm going to the cross. He set his face to go to Jerusalem, knowing that what waited for him there was death. Wouldn't you say that's some tenacity? And I want to tell you that that when you are tenacious and tenacious in serving the Lord, that's a good characteristic because that's a characteristic of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Listen, I want to encourage you. Tenaciously cling to Christ. Tenaciously serve the Lord Jesus Christ. For some of you as moms, you know what that's going to mean? that's going to mean that you tenaciously say, I am going to serve my husband and my children and be the best wife and the best mother that Jesus can enable me to be. I am going to serve. I'm going to love my husband. I'm going to love my children. I am going to be faithful to them. I am not going to turn back. I've put my hand to the plow. God has called me to be a wife. I am going to keep my hand on the plow. I am not going to look back as a husband. I am going to love my wife. I am going to love my kids. I am going to serve them like Jesus wants me to serve them. I'm going to be an example of godliness to them. I've put my hand to the plow of this relationship. I am not going to let go. I am not going to look back. At work, it means I'm going to be a faithful witness for Jesus Christ. And I may not always be able to go around and preach the gospel to my coworkers, but I am going to live a faithful life. I'm going to be honest in my dealings with my coworkers. I'm going to have speech that resembles the speech of Jesus Christ. My attitude is going to be such that when people notice me under pressure, When the heat is on, I respond in a way where they can see the Holy Spirit empowering me and giving me that attitude in that moment because I don't have that kind of attitude in and of myself. You see, being a true hero for Christ means being like Christ. And being like Christ means being tenacious, having some tenacity, sticking with it, being who God has called you to be and doing the things that he has called you to do. So some of you in here this morning, I want to encourage you, by God's grace, dig deeper. Dig deeper. Allow the Spirit of God to strengthen you and empower you to be the man and the woman that God has called you to be. Dig deeper. Don't quit. Be tenacious. Hang on. Don't give up. Don't look back. Jesus said anyone who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not worthy of the kingdom of God. Don't do that. Don't do that. Boy, I'll tell you, I see that all over Paul and Barnabas, don't you, here in these journeys? Man, what an what a, what a example these guys set for us tenacious. Let's go back now to Acts chapter 14, okay? Because the second one that I want to talk to you about, the second characteristic is boldness. So these guys are filled with tenacity, but they're also extremely bold. Again, here they are as they've always done, they immediately in Iconium, they go to the Jewish synagogue according to verse 1 and they spoke, notice, in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But of course, as we find normally happens, there's controversy, verse 2. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So there are some Jews there, and this happened in chapter 13, by the way, verse 50. Look back there just for a moment. It happened back there too. Verse 50, it says, but the Jews incited devout women of high standing and leading men of the city, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of the district. So they shook the dust from their feet against them, and they went to Iconium. So it seems that there is this hostile group of Jewish people who do not believe in Jesus Christ as their Messiah, and they continue to dog Paul and Barnabas on their trip. So they find out where they go, and they show up in the next city, and they're causing problems with, for them all along the way. And here in Iconium, the same thing happens again. Notice what it says at the end there or at the end of verse 2, it says they poisoned their minds against the brothers. Now, I love this. I love this. In verse 3, notice what it says. So, so now stop. Look at me just for a second. So, so, at this point, if, if it were me and if it were you, many of us at this point would say, okay, here we go. Round number two these guys are stirring up problems, they're persecuting us, so I think it's time for us to pack up our bags once again and move on. So let's see what happens. This is great. So, verse 3, they remained for a long time. Speaking boldly for the Lord who bore witness to the word of the grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So don't you love that? Seriously, I love that. It's like, okay, it gets hard again, and here comes the persecution. So what are we going to do? We're just going to stay, and we're going to keep on doing what we've been called to do by the Lord. Don't you like that? I love that. Love that. Verse 2, Poisoned their minds, it says there. The New American Standard Bible actually uses the word embittered. It means they caused others to think ill of Paul and Barnabas. And so the persecution once again arises. And what do they do? They stay longer and they get louder. (laughs) Amen? They dig in their heels. Boldness. Verse 4, But the people of the city were divided, some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. Well, again, isn't that true? Don't we see that with the gospel? The gospel divides. We've seen that over and over again in this story, that some will believe and some will reject. But truly, wisdom needs to know when to keep on and when to walk away, because now watch, watch what happens. Verse, verse 4... It says they were divided, some sided with the Jews, some with the apostles. Verse 5, when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and they fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding countries, and there they continued to preach the gospel. Thanks for joining us today on Grace and Truth Radio. I'm so glad that you've been with us. If you're looking for a church, I'd like to invite you to join us. Harvest is a growing, dynamic, multicultural church that welcomes people from all backgrounds, all cultures, and all walks of life. We are passionate Christ followers. And if that
1: resonates with you, come check us out. You can get a copy of this series of messages if you go to our website, graceandtruthradio.com. Or you can call us at 1-877-64-TRUTH. And of course, Grace and Truth Radio is sponsored by Harvest Bible Church and listeners like you. Check out our website at harvestdetroitwest.org. I hope you'll come to visit us this Sunday at one of our three service times, 8.30 a.m., 10.00 a.m. or 11.30 a.m. Harvest is located on Newburgh Road, just north of Ford Road. We hope to see you there.